The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology, in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Amen. Thank you. Uh, And I I, I want to extend that thanks to Pastor Blair. He has really um, shepherded us, our family, since we've been here, um, stretched me, discipled me, and, and it's a great blessing for me to be able to come up here, open up God's word, um, and share it with you. Um, my family and I, my wife, Terry, uh, Ellie, uh, Olivia, and then I have Gabrielle and Elijah over in, in kids, Redemption Kids right now. Um, when we came here, we were looking for uncommon community, and that's what we found. Um, we, from the moment we were here, we knew that we were loved. And so when, when Pastor Blair says that at the end of service, it is truth, and, and I felt it. And, and so I just I want to thank all of you uh, for allowing me this blessing to come before you. And um, my prayer is this, um, that God would uh, move me out of the way, that you would hear uh, Jesus speaking to you this morning. Um, my, my message is, is called Run the Race. Um, and do we have any people who are racers? Got some runners. I know there's some runners out there. Um, anybody ever done a race? Um, so my race ability uh, or my race background, I really didn't race a lot. I was in the army, so I ran a lot um, and and far and a lot. But um, one time we were out in the field. We were, I was stationed in Hawaii, which is really horrible if you don't like perfect weather and beaches and that kind of stuff, right? But we were out in the field, um, and, and I grabbed these guys, and I was like, hey, I got this great idea. We should run the Honolulu Marathon. It's in two weeks. We're in pretty good shape. I think we can do it. <laughs> so um, for the next two weeks, we're hyping each other up because like, that's all we had because we hadn't trained and prepared. So all we had was hype. So um, we're hyping each other up. And uh, the day before the marathon, I realized, oh man, I forgot to register. No big deal. Drive down to Honolulu to the registration place and um, it's, it's closed. And apparently they like, thought that if you're running a marathon, you should be prepared and have done some stuff in advance. And I didn't think about that. Um, so I had this uh, dilemma that night. I, I had talked these guys into running this thing. They were all registered. Um, and then so I started debating, like, well, should I run anyway? And I was like, I didn't register. I'm not even going to get a T-shirt. I'm not running. So I slept in. They all get, get there, and they ran. And we'll just say it's a good thing that they were too sore to catch me the next day when they saw me, or else I probably wouldn't be standing here. But that's kind of my race background, and um, I find in God's Word there's several places that he refers to our life and our faith as a race. Um, and so what, what we see is, is that idea, that illustration of running towards a goal, a prize. Um, and like I said, I wasn't going to get a t-shirt, so I wasn't going to run. But, but we have to know, and I'll just tell you up front, this is the, the whole message. This is what it's about. Jesus, we're going to run the race knowing Jesus is the prize. Um, there's a lot of noise out there in the world. There's a lot of things that try and distract us, take away, and tell us that the prize is something else. But I'm telling you that we need to run the race of faith knowing Jesus is our prize. Um, and so to kind of 
show you this illustration. We're going to get into our focus text. It's Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Um, we're going to be, that's our focus. But um, before I get in there, I, I'm, it's very important that when we open God's word, we're looking at it in context. Um, otherwise, we can take something out, a, a short passage, and, and we can kind of apply it however we want. And so we never want to do that with God's word. We want to uh, make sure that we're applying it and speaking it the way he intended it. So we have to know a little bit of background before we dive in this morning. So the, the letter of Hebrews, um, it, it is a letter that was sent to a church. Uh, they, were, they were believers with a Hebrew background. Maybe they were Jews uh, or maybe they were followers of the Jewish, Jewish faith before they came to Christ, before they heard the gospel. Um, but uh, it's, it's a little bit different than the other letters. Most of the letters start with, uh, you know, Paul or Peter, one of them saying, hey, it's me, and I'm here to tell, talk to you, and I have the authority. I'm an apostle of God. Um, this one kind of just jumps in. And, and so what they believe about it is that it was probably a sermon that was written to a church to be read at, at, when they gathered. Um, and it was written to these believers who were wavering in their faith. Um, they were at a point in their, their faith that they were ready to step away from Christ and back into Jewish tradition because they were probably, um, they were being persecuted, we know that, and it was most likely under the, the Emperor Nero. And, and Nero was brutal, brutal, like all the worst you can imagine. He is persecuting Christians. He hates this group of people. And, and so they say, well, if I kind of step away from Christ and go back to my Jewish religious background, I'll be okay and I won't be persecuted. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, don't do it because Jesus is better. And so the first 11 chapters is really uh, this person. Um, some people originally thought it was Paul because there's some language that's the same, but now they don't believe that anymore. They think it probably was one of his disciples um, that had stepped into a leadership role in the church. And, and he's, in, he's encouraging and exhorting these people to not step away from Christ because Christ is better. And he actually lays out this um, argument. And he says, starting from the beginning, he said, he is supreme. So there was some other things that people would worship, and he said, don't do that. He is God. He is supreme. He is above all created things. Um, and so he starts that out, and then he talks about how it's better than kind of the Jewish religious tra traditions, um, the priesthood, the temple, the sacrifice system. So he lays out and says, like, he is better than a priesthood. So you have an earthly priesthood who you go and, and you, you confess and repent and you ask them to absolve you or, or come to God for you. And he says he's better than that because he is our high priest. He is the eternal high priest. He sits at the right hand of God and he makes intercession for us all the time. So you don't need to go to that priestly system. You need to know Jesus is better. And he, he says the sacrifice system, like you can slaughter as many bulls and sheep and goats and whatever else, and there's not enough blood to cover. But Jesus is better because he was the perfect sacrifice. He was the lamb of God that we sing about. 
and his blood, which was perfect because he led a sinless life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserved to take the punishment that we deserved so that we could be redeemed. So he said, don't go back to that sacrificial system. Jesus is better. You don't have to go to a temple because his Holy Spirit abides in you. He lives in you, so you are a living temple. Jesus is better. And so he lays out this whole argument, and then we come to chapter 12. And in this moment, uh, I'll, just, I'll just get in and read, if you'll follow along with me. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is God's word for us this morning. Um, and, and as we start to kind of, they say, unpack this, as we start to dig in and kind of look at what this means for us this morning, um, there, there's a key word in there that as we study the Bible, there, there's, there's these little alerts that we get when we're reading that say, hey, there's more to this. And our passage this morning starts with one of those words. And that word is therefore. So therefore means in light of everything I just said, you're going to do this, right? Or because of what I was just talking about. And so when we see therefore, we have to back up a little bit. And, and in this case, it's talking about the therefore of a cloud of witnesses. And it's, it's talking about how we're to run encouraged by a cloud of witnesses. But what does that cloud of witnesses mean? Like, um, what do you think? Like, we don't have that imagery, really. Um, so for me, I, I think, like, if you were in a packed-out stadium, just completely full, and you're standing right in the middle of it, and, and you look up, at the, like that sea of faces. Like you don't really see the individual ones, it's kind of this big blur. That's like the cloud of witnesses. And so we need to figure out who's he talking about that makes up that cloud of witnesses. And so when we see therefore, we gotta back up a little bit. And so this morning, the, that passage, that therefore, backs us up to uh, Hebrews 11, verse 17. And so from Hebrews eleven seventeen down to the end of that chapter, it's what some people call the Hall of Heroes. So it's a list of these heroes of the faith. And these heroes of the faith are people that you read about as you read through the Old Testament. Um, they're, they're people that, you know, you've learned about in Sunday school. I teach my children about it. Um, they're the, like the big heroes. Like when you think of these people who had great faith, these are the ones you talk about. And so um, verse 17 starts out and it says, by faith, and you'll see that statement repeated throughout this whole chapter, by faith. And it's, it's an important piece because remember, the, the writer of Hebrews, he's trying to keep them from walking away from their faith. He's trying to keep them to endure their faith even when there's trials and tribulation, even when they're being persecuted. And so he says, by faith, Abraham when he was tested, offered up Isaac. 
And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall all your offspring be named. Um, so to give us context of this, uh, in, in Genesis 15, way back at the very beginning of the word, um, we, we hear about Abraham and God calls him out of his home. He says, leave everything behind and, and come with me. I got something better for you. And, and so Abraham is following him. And, and one night he, he says, hey, Abraham, come out and look at the stars. I don't know if you've ever been like out in the desert when there's no light. Like you, it's unbelievable how many stars are out there. And so he looks up and there's like, and you can't count how many there are. You just can't. And he says, that's how many your offspring are going to be. And, and through you, I'm going to bless every people group on earth. Like, every group is going to be blessed through your offspring. And it's going to flow through your child. And Abraham's like, I'm old. My wife's old. She, she is barren. She can't have a child. And, and you're telling me that I'm to believe that I'm going to have an offspring that is going to create a multitude, generation after generation, as many as the stars of descendants. And he said, well, I'm going to believe you. And he chooses to believe, and he has faith in God. And, and so when it says right here that he's offering up his son, and it's through Isaac shall your offspring be named, so that great promise of God um, now sits in a, a child. And God has called him in Genesis 22 to offer up that child. And, and, and so he has, a, he has a choice to make. He needs to decide, do I have faith to believe that God has something better? A am I ready to, all those promises that he's given me, am I ready to give them back and offer them up, knowing that he can do better? And so like we were talking about, Jesus is the better sacrifice and the better priest. Now, now we have these promises and they're beautiful, great promises of God. But we have to believe that God has something better. And so Abraham goes up and right as he's about to slay his son, God says, stop. And, and he provides a, another sacrifice. And this just points us forward to that better promise of Christ. That, that Jesus is going to be that sacrifice, the, the better sacrifice. And so um, we see that in Abraham's life, that although he was given a great promise, Jesus is better. And so he offered up his son, and, and God provided. And, and then it goes on, it talks about Isaac, and it talks about Jacob. And if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is how he is referred to often. Um, so these are heroes of the faith. And it goes down uh, through them, goes to Joseph, and then it gets to a familiar name, Moses. And it starts out, talks about in verse 23, about Moses being born in the faith that his parents had to hide him from Pharaoh so that he could live. And verse 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So Moses was brought into the king's home. He had all the status, the title, all the comfort. He had all that 
And he decided that all those earthly things were good, but they, in that context, were sinful, so he decided to step away because God had something better. So all the promises of that, he said, I'm going to lay that aside, and God has something better for me. And then later on in the story, you know that Moses leads God's people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he's to bring them into the promised land. And there's this great promise ahead of them, and he's leading them, and there's a lot of trial, and there's a lot of heartache, and the people turn back and forth from God, and he continues to faithfully lead towards this promise. And then at the end of his life, God says, I'm going to take you up on a mountain. And I'm going to let you look at the promise, but I'm not going to let you go in. And he had to know in that moment that there was something better than that promise. That really, the, the life after he, he was taken up into heaven with God, the life with Jesus, Jesus is the better prize. He's the better promise. And this passage continues with some of the great names in the hall of faith. Uh, And it's interesting because in in verse 32, if you'll look, it says, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell. So all those great promises of God, like we couldn't, we don't have time to talk about all that it was. But it says names like Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets. And so this is a list of judges, and prophets, and kings who had great promises. And and they did great things, and God did great things for them. But in the end, they had to realize that there was a greater promise. Then we get down to verse 36, and there's an interesting shift that happens. And it says, others... These, these unnamed people who are now also in our cloud of witnesses. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves, of the earth. So these others, these unnamed people that are also counted alongside Abraham and Moses are, are destitute. They're, they don't have an earthly promise, but they have the better promise, the promise of Jesus. And so although they were afflicted and, and, and were persecuted and went through trials, the, the writer here is saying, look, Even they are in your cloud of witnesses right now as you struggle, as you are fearful of the persecution you're in. But I want to encourage you because we have this great cloud of witnesses. And I want to encourage you that this great cloud of witnesses is not just from the past. But right now, as as I look around, right now in your lives, your circles of influence, your circles of relationship, you also make up part of the cloud of witnesses. You're part of my cloud of witnesses, and for each other, you're the cloud of witnesses. And it expands out. And so I want you to run encouraged. 
And, and what I said at the beginning about what we found when we came here about finding that uncommon community and that family, we, we find this is a great encouragement to us in our faith. And when we go through trials and when we struggle, we can look around and we know that there are people that love us and want us to strive towards the prize that is Jesus. And so we run the race knowing that Jesus is the prize. We run encouraged by the cloud of witnesses. And, and then if we go back in to uh, verse one from Hebrews 12, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Other uh, translations talk about the, that sin that ensnares us so easily. And so what, what does this mean for us? Um, and it's interesting because if you look at it, it has two different things there. And a lot of times we just think about the sin, but it also talks about the weight. All right, the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, that clings so closely, that's always right there. So first I'll talk about the weight. Um, there's a lot of good things in our life that um, if we elevate good things to God things, they become a hindrance and they uh, weigh us down. And so we need to be able to run unencumbered. It says lay aside those things, run encumbered, by the burdens of life and sin, all right? So we, we have to lay them down and we have to put them in their proper place which is beneath Jesus. Um, so things that I've struggled with in the past is elevating my family, my wife, my children. Um, there's been times in my life where my job, my position was the highest thing in my life, and those things weighted me down. They're not in themselves bad, but once I put them in the wrong position, they became a burden to me, and I couldn't run the way I was supposed to run. So, we need to make sure that we're not putting good things and making them God things. Uh, in, in 1 John 2.16, uh, John says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father but from the world. Uh, some versions say the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And so we're gonna look at those because those are kind of the sins that we're talking about in our life that we get weighted down and have to cast off, have to lay aside. So the lust of the flesh, lust of the flesh is those things that we want to consume. Um, and if left to our own brokenness, uh, we consume them to an excess. We, we've, we place them in a position that they should not be. And this could be food, drink, the physical desires that we have that taken outside of the context that God wants us to have them in um, become sinful. So those, those things we want to consume in the end start to devour us as they become sinful. So that's part of that sin. And then the, the lust of the eyes, this is the covetousness, um, the things that we want. We see somebody else has it and we want it. We want it for us because they got it so I want it. Um, and it's funny because uh, it, it, 
any ads that you see, they're pretty much about this. Hey, somebody has it and you should have it. You deserve it, you want it. Um, I remember a while back I, I'd, see, I'd seen a commercial for BMW that said joy. BMW is joy. Really? Like a car? Because I'll tell you what happens is you strive for that, you get that brand new car and it's awesome a until the next year when another car comes out that's more awesome. And, and, and you strive for the, you know, you get the 50-inch TV and then you go to somebody's house and they got the 65-inch TV and you need that, but you got to go bigger so you get a 100-inch TV, right? <laughs> but those things, that, they start to consume us and, and our desire for that, that covetousness, I want it, I deserve it, I should have it, that's a sin that, that starts to burden us and weigh us down. And the last thing is that pride of life. And this is an easy trap for us to fall into. It's, uh, you know, I, I take my identity and I place it in my job, a position, um, how many followers I have on social media. It, it's anything that I place above Christ that is a status symbol, that is, is what I t find my pride in. And, and it's an easy place to fall and that's one of those sins that it, it will weigh us down. Um, when, when I was deployed, we would wear a vest every day. It was 75 pounds just to put on the vest to walk outside. Um, I wasn't running very fast in that thing. And imagine as, as you pile on those sins um, and you get weighted down, you, you start to be in, you know, encumbered. You start to be burdened and you can't run the race of faith. So what do you need? You need your cloud of witnesses around you. One of the blessings that God has given us um, is small groups. If you are not in a small group right now, you, you are missing out on one of those blessings of God because he's put people there that I can come and I can be transparent, I can show my heart, and I can say, this is a problem I'm having right now, and they'll pray with me. They'll pray for me, they'll come around me, they'll encourage me to lay down whatever that sin is. Lay down those weights, even if they're good things that have supplanted Christ in my life, lay those down. And, and so we have that in fellowship. And, and so those, that's one of those blessings that God's brought people together, he's gathered us as a church, and then he brings people closer into your life that you can open up and you can be accountable to each other. And, and, and I have people that can come and say, hey, I see this going on, and they would want the same from me to help me lay down those sins and those weights. Um, and, and as we look to the future, uh, there's the, the program, or not program, I guess, the groups, the freedom groups that are coming that, that we're preparing for here at Redemption. And this is if you have one of those life-dominating sins. And so a, a picture of life-dominating sin for, for me that um, has always stood out, it's kind of cheesy, it's kind of goofy, but have you ever been uh, watching those really old horror movies, like the old black and white, and there's somebody walking through like a cemetery at night, and then like out of the grave, this little hand, the skeleton hand shoots up and like grabs them on the ankle, right? 
And, and they kick them off because there, there's no power in that, but it's always there. It's so close. It's, it's what it's talking about, that sin that's so close that tries to ensnare us. It's, it's the old me, the one I put to death when I became a new creation in Christ, right? But it's always right there. It's always trying to tempt me. It's always trying to reach out and grab. Um, some people call it a besetting sin. It's, maybe it's something you struggled with before you came to Christ, and that's what the enemy wants to try to get at you with. It's always right there, but it's got no power, and all you gotta do is kick it off. And you need that encouragement of other people. You need them to help you run unencumbered. And so as we run unencumbered, we also run uh, with endurance towards that prize that is Jesus. So it says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is interesting because the race that is set before us, um, it's an individual race. It is a race of one. If, if I'm looking to somebody else's race, I'm not competing with them. I have one race, I'm running my course, right? They're running their race, we're coming alongside to encourage each other, but I'm not competing against somebody. I'm not comparing to anybody else. I'm running this race, the race that he has set before me. And so we each have our own course. Um, but there, there's times, maybe an instant or a long season in our life that God in his mercy has brought people. He's made our courses converge. So my wife Terry and I, our courses have converged and now we're, we're running this race kind of alongside each other there to encourage each other, to help each other when times are hard and, and it starts to be a struggle to continue. And sometimes it's just for a moment somebody comes into your life and gives you that moment of encouragement that lets you run further and faster. Um, I was at a, a, a school for the Army, and we were out, and the first thing we had to do is we, uh, you know how I said we ran a lot and we ran far? Well, in this case, I had to walk a lot with a lot of weight, so walking with heavy weight, far. Did I say heavy and far? Right. Uh, and I remember this course because um, this course, it's, it seemed like it just, it was uphill, like these really steep uphills and then there'd be a gradual uphill and more, like it never went downhill, but we did, like, it was crazy. But so I had prepared myself. I thought I was in great shape at the time. I was going and, and I was walking and I got to this point of just sheer exhaustion. Mental, physical, the whole thing. I was done. And I don't know if you've ever been there, um, but I started in my mind thinking of the ways that I could quit without looking bad. Am I the only one? Like you've never been there where you're like running and you're like, man, if I could just like, oh my, pull the hammy. Or, or, I'm like, God, please make me pass out so they won't look bad at me, right? Um, but I was there. And, and right at the moment, I was like, I was ready to make a choice and just quit. And this guy came out of nowhere. And uh, just walking by, and he noticed that in me. He noticed that my endurance was gone. And he said, hey man, this is what we're gonna do. And there was rules like, 
There was absolutely no physical contact. You couldn't, he couldn't pick me up. He couldn't drag me. He couldn't put his arm around me and carry me. But what he did is he said, look, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to get in front of you. And all you got to do is just focus on my feet. Just watch my feet and keep walking. Watch my feet, keep walking. Focus, focus. And so I did it, and, I, and we're walking, and I'm completely, everything is shut out. And I'm just looking at his feet, and I'm just pushing and pushing. And all of a sudden, I hear him say, we did it, man. And I look up, and we had crossed the finish line. And, and had achieved the, that earthly prize, which at that time meant a lot to me, but now looking back, what means a lot to me is that that person came alongside me on my race. And he encouraged me to continue in my endurance and finish the race. And so we see that when he's talking about let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. As you go into verse two, it says looking to Jesus focusing, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Fixing our eyes, just like in that race when, when I felt I couldn't go anymore I just had to fix my eyes. And in this case, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We focus on Jesus because he is the better prize. He is the better prize. No matter what your race looks like, it might be you're running and it's smooth sailing, straight, flat, it's great. And everything's good. You gotta think, what am I running for? Am I running for the better prize? Am I focused on Jesus? Maybe it's, it's man, you're, you're struggling. And, and you're in a trial. And, and it doesn't say that, you know, in this we see that it's not all good races. There's a lot of persecution. There's a lot of trial. There's a lot of hardship and it doesn't diminish that hardship, but it gives us a prize, a hope, and a future, and that is Jesus. And, and so as we run our race, we remember that he is the founder, the starting point, and the perfecter, the finish line. Um, I came to faith, I was 36 years old already. And, and so I think about this and I was like, I was out, I was running this race over here, just exhausted, running and running and running. I wasn't even on the right course. Like everybody is running their race of faith and I'm just, I'm going around again. Like I, I come and I think I, I hit the finish line, I've got the prize and, and the prize because it's earthly and my heart was uh, just broken. I'd, I'd get this prize and I'd say, it's tarnished. And somebody would say, oh, the prize is over there, keep running. You gotta keep going, the prize is over there. And each time I would think I'd hit the finish line, there was something else until I surrendered my heart to Christ. I made him my king and the prize. I don't, I don't wanna run for anything else. 
I'm not saying that things don't creep in and try and distract me. Like I said, there's a lot of noise out there, but I want to fix my eyes on Jesus and know that I'm running for that prize. Because not only is, is he better, but he showed it in what he did. Like we've celebrated this last week and we continue, we should continue every day to celebrate. It says there that he endured the cross right? The joy set before him, the joy set before him was bringing his creation back to him, bringing us into a right relationship with him. It says he endured the cross, paying for our sin. He despised the shame of it, and now he sits next to God, and and as we run, he's cheering us on. Look, he's running for me, right? He's running to me, The other thing I want to say about that endurance is it is a blessing and a mercy that he brings people into our lives. But if you feel completely exhausted, physically, spiritually, um, you need to ask yourself, "Is, is he my prize? Because there's a point in our race where we can't do it on our own anymore. We need his Holy Spirit to be in us propelling us forward, guiding us on our path, empowering us to continue in the faith. Because if you keep trying harder and you keep trying harder and your willpower, it just runs out eventually. So we need him to help us run towards him. And so we need to surrender ourselves. We need to set down and set aside all that other stuff and run to the right prize. We kind of, like, I need to pose a question to you is, is what, what's the prize you're running for? I know, we all know the Sunday school answer, like, Jesus is the prize, right? Um, if, if we've been in church for an extended period of time, we, we know the answer. But if we look deep in our hearts, is that truly the prize that we've set before us? Are we running for the prize that is Jesus, or are we running for a t-shirt? Are we running for a trophy? Some kind of status, some kind of comfort, something that we've said, this is the most important thing in my life. And some of those things could be good things, like next door, right? (laughs) Those are good things. And, and some of them aren't, though. Some of them are sinful things that we've elevated. So what are you running for? What are you running for? Now, I hope this morning that you're running for Jesus. And whether uh, this is kind of your first time hearing the gospel uh, presented to you and, and the first time you've thought about, do I want to surrender my life to Christ? Or maybe you've been in church your whole life, but, but you've been working out of your own willpower and you've been trying to to look right and say the right things and do the moral good things, but, but you've never really surrendered. You've never said, I'm surrendering and I'm gonna get on the race and I'm gonna chase after Jesus with everything I got. And I just say this morning, don't leave here without that. Don't leave without it. And if, if you make a choice to surrender your life, life to Christ, tell the person you're with, because guess what? When you start running that race, you definitely need that cloud of witnesses around you. You need that community around you to come and help you run your race.
So if you would, let me uh, pray for us this morning. And um, gosh, we'll just, let's go before the Lord. Father in heaven.